Hi, I'm Jacqueline, and welcome to this Week Create EDU Hangout. Today we're going to be talking about YouTube education and the quest that Peter has gone on, and I'll turn it over to Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah. I have a channel called Developmental Enthusiast on YouTube, and uh, I'm excited to talk to Peter today about education and YouTubers and what YouTube can do for content creators who like creating educational content. I'm going to pass it on to Chelsea. Hello, I am Chelsea. I have a channel called Practical Poppins. It is a channel about my nanny experience and for nannies and parents to come together and talk about the job of raising kids. It's fabulous. And I'm really loving the lights and the raving happening behind Peter right now. Um, so I'm going to watch that as I pass it off to Liz. Uh, my name is Liz. My channel name is High Waisted Pantaloons. And I'm pretty much just a vlogger and mom who talks about being a mom and also trying to find myself after what I've basically termed the mom coma. The idea that um, when you are in the first two years of being a mom, you're pretty much nothing that. So I'm trying to find out who I am after that because both my babies are older than that now. So that's what I do. Peter, your turn. Hi everybody, it's me, Peter. And uh, I run a channel where I kind of occasionally upload stuff to a channel called Go Verb and Noun. It's mostly made up of interviews with folks on YouTube EDU. <clears throat> so like, not to name drop, but like Hank Green, Lindsay Doe, uh, Emily Grassley, Emily Eifler, President Obama, no, I'm just kidding, no president yet, but someday, uh, and other folks who do educational YouTube channels, because like, that's really cool and important. Awesome. So basically, we asked Peter to come here today because we wanted to pick his brain a little bit because he's talked to all of these really great creators who've done a ton of really interesting stuff on YouTube um, around educational content. So um, Peter, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you how you came up with the idea to do Go Verba Noun, where that came from and um, talk a little bit about your uh, journey kind of traveling around and, and interviewing people and that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> it was a dark and stormy night uh, back in uh, 1973 when uh, the internet was first being... No, I'm just playing. Okay. So, but for serious. So, before I did this whole YouTube thing, I was doing this whole Navy. I worked as a Chinese and Spanish linguist for about four and a half years. Um, and at some point, well, seven years, four and a half in Hawaii. And towards the end of that four and a half years in Hawaii, I was like, you know, this Navy thing, not not doing it for me. Uh, but I liked, at the same time, I had kind of gotten into um, YouTube and seeing what was out there. And I've had a kind of forever, just like everyone else. Um, but I started thinking about, like, what it could be used for besides just cat videos and stuff like that. And then found myself watching, like, Hank Green and John Green and Vlogbrothers and then the various PBS channels. And I thought, well, this is something. You know, maybe, maybe I could make something neat and useful. And so the originally, I got this idea of just going and interviewing people, just everyone ever, because uh, I think people in general are super interesting and super, like everybody comes from a different place and they all have their own stories to tell and I think storytelling is one of the best things that we can do in terms of relating to others and then relating to others is one of the best things we can do to make our lives better in the life. So then I started thinking, well, I'll go on interwebs. So I interviewed a few people, never made it to the internet, but it was a good practice run and then one day, um, Lindsay from Sexplanations, Lindsay Doe, she came out to Hawaii uh, in August and we did a get together and you know we all met up on the beach and I started thinking you know this Lindsay person she's pretty cool yeah maybe I should talk to her and so we kind of stayed friends after that which was I don't even know how that happened but yeah we just kept bouncing each other off ideas off each other and it helped for her because she would randomly need people to like help with scripts and stuff mm. and I 
was three time zones behind everyone else, by the time everyone else was asleep, you know, she could be like, hey, Peter, I need to get this script done in, like, four hours. <laughs> Help. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'd look over stuff like that. Eventually, I found my way towards this idea that I would review, I would do something with YouTube EDU, mm-hmm. uh, and then I realized that I wanted to, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it, just that I wanted to do something. And then I thought, well, if I want to help these people that are making this educational channels, I could just go ask them. Um, since my time in the Navy had a firm end date, I knew like the date that I, I was going to get out, so I started preparing everything around that date. So I put away most of my money, like about a year and a half out from when my, my end of active service came up, and then I did what I needed to do to make sure that I could finish my bachelor's degree while I was out there, and so I wrapped up my bachelor's degree in May of 2014, and I got home and started talking to Lindsay, and I started shooting emails out to YouTubers, and I was like, hey, I'm Peter, and I got this weird idea of like asking you how I can help you, and since I'm getting out of the Navy, and I used to be an intel- uh, intelligence analyst, all this stuff, and I'm going to have free time, you want to sit down for a chat? And a lot of people were like, yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And I, I wonder how many people actually like just kind of said it accidentally, being like, this guy's not going to drive to my place from California. He's in Hawaii. How is he going to get here? That's crazy talk. And then I showed up to their door one day, and they're like, oh, you were serious. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I drove around the country after I came back from Hawaii for about, well, a month. And then I drove around the rest of the world for another three months uh, interviewing all of these folks. And then I came back, and I started editing and putting stuff up. And yeah, so that's how I decided the long way uh, that I would interview everyone. Basically, I want to know how I could help them. Mm-hmm. So. And are so are all the videos that you did during that time, are they all up at this point on your channel? Or do you have more coming? I know you've got the like snippets that you're doing about EDU specifically, but in terms of the full interviews? So almost all of them are up. Uh, there were a few people who were like, you know, because I, I, I discovered after I did the project that you know, it's one thing to edit video, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to edit lots of video while also searching for a job, trying to figure out how to survive, and then working yeah. a full job and all that jazz. Very difficult, apparently. Um, <laughs> Weird. So it took me a year to get to some people's videos, and by the time the year had gone up, uh, I reached out to them. I was like, hey, um, so what do you think about your interview? And they were actually, you know, some of them, just about everyone said, yeah, go ahead, post it. I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I got one or two people who were like, actually, no, my views have changed too much since then, and I don't I don't feel hmm. comfortable having that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I have a couple of interviews that are in Spanish that I haven't posted, mainly because I, I have to translate them and edit them, and that is an amazingly time-consuming thing. Yeah, but the majority of everything, like all of my English news have been up. Cool. Um, anybody else, feel free to jump in anytime, but I could just ask questions all night, so <laughs> I'll just keep going. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that, that really struck me, Peter, when I first um, started watching your videos was, first, that you just seemed really excited about talking to people about educational content on YouTube, um, and I'm just curious, from all of the conversations that you had with all of these different people from across the world, what are some of the most uh, interesting things that people shared with you um, that you found sort of mo- most striking and either different or very in line with what you had had thought would be the case when you asked questions you set out to ask? Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the most interesting things, kind of that I took away, not so much that I, I asked people about, um, but like for a lot of people uh, that do YouTube EDU, so you've got their screen persona and then their real mm-hmm. life persona. And to see mm-hmm. like who had a really distinct cut between those two. So for example, um, Hank is my favorite example. Like you look at him on Vlogbrothers and he's like super animated and like goes a thousand miles a minute because that's the format that works for Vlogbrothers mm-hmm. and for Crash sorry, uh, SciShow. But then when you actually sit down with him one-on-one, nope, um, he talks much more slowly, uh, much more thoughtfully 
and like he talks like a human being, which is mm-hmm. unsurprising. Mm-hmm. But it was just something that I hadn't really thought about. But then the flip side of that is oh, and like other people who are like that are like Lindsay. Um, Betty is a little bit like that. But mm-hmm. Betty and I, before we did our interview, we had gotten dinner and stuff like that. Um, who else? The guys from ASAP Science, Greg and Mitchell, were a little bit like that. But I mean, mm-hmm. for them, it's different because they do a different format where it's not really them that's the star of their show with content. Right. But then the flip side of that, like Mike Rugnetta, exactly like he is on the media channel. Yeah. <laughs> um, Aaron Carroll, exactly like it's the same person. And oh, it funny. was interesting of like why that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see like, oh, and then. Emily Grassley. Mm-hmm. So when my when I showed up, she was like, "Oh man, you know, I, I almost forgot, but I remembered. So here we are. Let's do this." And I could, you know, she was a little tired. And then when I turned the camera on, boom! Suddenly it's Emily. We all know and love. And, I was like, what? <laughs> and afterwards, I was like, "Emily, it's like you changed people." And she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you do enough interviews. You know how to turn it on and off." I was like, oh. Yeah. What a trick. Like, <laughs> I, I only know how to operate it on, so anyway, that was a big takeaway. Another thing is that everyone who does YouTube EDU stuff cares. Like Nobody's really ambivalent about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in it because they have personal reasons or they have high ideals about you know what it means to do it. Um, nobody just kind of does it because it's a thing to do. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'll see that. Did you find, um, did you find that there were bits of, of either the creator's stories or little gems that you took away from them that you think would be especially applicable to um, newer and smaller creators who are doing educational content. So, like, our little group of people here, like, we're relatively new to the YouTube sphere or, you know, have been lurking for a while and are just sort of getting getting on board. Um, and so I think a lot of times we look for the the creators who have been out there a while and look to their, uh, their content to really help shape the way we think about things. But I'm wondering if you have any particular um, ideas about that in your conversation. Yeah, so the biggest thing that I noticed for just about everyone that I talk to is nobody's doing it alone. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody has a team, uh, whether it's all of DFTVA or it's like Lindsay and Nick or now Lindsay and Matt, Matthew Lindos, or mm-hmm. like Emily... Um, Emily Grassley and the other folks at the Field Museum, like everybody has a team. Uh, and I think that that makes a, dip, a big difference in what you can get away with. Or not get away with, but what you can get yourself to do. Um, like the people who do it on their own, I did talk to a couple of people, uh, like the guys in Spain that I talked about, their interviews haven't popped up. They're mostly lone wolves. Although I take that back because one, if not both of them now have big like like teams. Uh, and just for reference, the folks who I talked to in Spain, one's channel is called Unico Os, and he does math and physics education, mm-hmm. kind of in the same way that Khan Academy does, but instead of it being like digital whiteboard, it's a whiteboard and he's in front of it and he does drawings and stuff like that. Cool. Super great. Um, and then the other guy name escapes me at the moment, um, which is terrible because we're friends on Facebook. Uh, and he sent me a Christmas card. I sent him one too. <laughs> um, his channel is called Estadística Facil, which is statistics, basically, mm-hmm. and programming and stuff like that. Uh, and at, when I interviewed him, it was just him as far as I know, but he also works with a school Hector, 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 yeah, because over there. Um, he was doing it alone, but I think he's got some friends that help him out now as well. So, and then just, you know, in my own going off doing this, I realized how much nicer it would have been if I had folks that I could, like, be like, hey, you want to do this editing for me? Or, hey, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but it wasn't so bad because, I mean, I've got Lindsay and I've got friends who I just be like, hey, can you take a look at this? What do you think? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the folks who I interviewed were really great, um, like, giving feedback because for all of the interviews I do, you know, I obviously let them watch it first uh, and give any feedback, make sure that they're comfortable with, with, with what goes out. Um, and shout out to Mike Rugnetta who did a stellar job on that. Like, mm-hmm. mostly everybody was like, yeah, no, it's great. I like it. You know, I, go ahead. But then Mike was like, yeah, so at the 14-minute mark when I said this, what I was really saying is, you know, maybe you can go with cutting that out. And then I'd go back and be like, oh, no, actually, I want to keep it because it proves this point. He's like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. And mm-hmm. like that. That was super motivating. And that's what the big difference is. Having a team is a good way to have motivation. So if you're on your own, find somebody to uh, work <laughs> That's a good takeaway. I uh, actually have a question um, yeah. I was thinking about. Um, aside from actually getting a yes, which is an important part of um, having the interviews, how much of it was content makers that you already watched and how much of it was I want to get math I want to get science I want to get you know different yeah. subjects like like how much of the decision-making process was based off of stuff you already watched and how much of it was I want to get these subjects so I was less worried about subjects I mean I did want to get a good solid sampling of all of like what's out there because I mean you know you've got art you've got science uh, you've got music you've got basically everything and I wanted to get a good array but a lot of it was oh I know who this person is uh, and I'm familiar with what they do and so I would reach out to them. Uh, one thing that I was very conscious in when I was doing the interviews though is I wanted to make sure that I had a good mix of guys and gals um, and when possible people who didn't look like me because there's a lot of people in YouTube EDU and in YouTube in general who look like me and um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing but I think there are unintended consequences of that and I think representation matters so that's one thing that I definitely was actively select for. Uh, so if you go and you look, you'll notice it's not quite 50-50, but it's a pretty good solid split between guys and gals um, for the folks that I interview. Yeah. I'll just say, anybody who's watching, if you have questions, uh, we do have the chat open right now, and then if you're watching this after the live is live stream is done, you can leave your questions in comments, and we'll be sure to send them along to Peter and bug him to answer them for you. <laughs> it's true. You can um, also uh, tweet at us, too, if you don't oh, yeah. want be in the, in the chat. Oh yeah, Twitter. I've got oh. that open. So tweet, tweet them uh, at wecreatemedu mm-hmm. or tweet me uh, at goverbanem. So one of the other questions um, we had is really about how you think that edu content on YouTube has changed and evolved since you did your project and what you think the future looks like for educational content on YouTube. Okay. Sneaky. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I really noticed when I was doing like my my follow up like what can YouTube do for you or what can YouTube EDU do for you Mm -hmm. I'll talk about that later is that when I first did the interviews a lot of people had a lot of feedback for YouTube Uh, I got a lot of it and at some point I'm going to put all of those videos out so people can see it Uh, I also Sarah helped me with this Um, I put together a long winded document uh, that basically summarizes what everyone's responses were Um, I noticed so back then people had a lot of feedback for YouTube a year into it a lot of that feedback was taken in by YouTube and they made changes. Um, so like there were a lot of complaints talking 
about the, the user interface of YouTube from the creator point of view. Because if you had more than one channel at the time, you couldn't actually, there was no easy way to switch from one account to the other. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing was like YouTube was really pushing for integration with Google Plus, and nobody liked that. Um, people felt that YouTube wasn't serving their videos to the people who wanted to see them. YouTube fixed that as well. And so back then, people had a lot of critiques, and they've done a really good job at fixing that. And people were very quick to remark when I followed up with them this past summer uh, to say, yeah, no, YouTube, you know, even though that's how I felt then, um, I don't feel that way anymore because YouTube listens to us and they've made changes. Um, and I think we're going to see more of that. I think, um, what else? I want to say that there is going to be a gradual increase in like the bar of entry into YouTube EDU as the club uh, is going to continue going up. I don't know if that's necessarily the case though. Uh, I just feel like that might be the case because you look at uh, Crash Course or SciShow and it's already, you've got a really polished product. Mm -hmm. You have folks like PBS who are doing the same thing and PBS is doing a bang up job at creating you know really high quality um, channels and they're actually going out in a lot of ways that some, a lot of those channels started is yes found them and they're like, hey, you want some money? Mm -hmm. nah, nah, make your stuff better. <laughs> so they, they would basically finance them like how it did with uh, explanations mm -hmm. and the brand and all that jazz. Uh, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think right now the main separator between channels like that and channels like me, channels like us in general is <clears throat> the reach that we have. Mm. So, you know, if Hank likes something, everyone can see it. Right. He can make it happen. If YouTube likes something, if PBS likes something, they have the reach and they have the ability to promote stuff like that. Uh, and I think that's still something that's kind of out of the grasp of a lot of us. Mm -hmm. uh, like even when I when it came to my interviews, I could tell when the person who I interviewed shared it because that video would end up with an inordinate amount of views compared to every other video. Mm -hmm. like Lindsay, for example. Oh, and then it also helps that different folks do different things on different media. So Lindsay, when I interviewed her, I pushed hers up. She pushed it out to Tumblr and she pushed it out to Twitter. Uh, she may have mentioned it in one of her videos, but if you go back and look, her video and Nick's video have the highest number of views out of mm -hmm. all of my videos um, because they talk about it. Uh, and then Mike, Mike Rugnetta, my interview with him, mm -hmm. called me out in a video and surprise, surprise, it got tons of views. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the tricky things for us now is having that reach. So Knowing it seems like it's more it's more about, unfortunately, we're sort of in the situation where it's more about who you know rather than what you know or even what you can do um, yeah. to some degree. I mean, not entirely. Um, I, I'm curious, do you think that's different for EDU content specifically or do you think that that's becoming sort of the culture across YouTube, across the different genres that are out there? Well, I think that ever since YouTube EDU, or not YouTube EDU, but YouTube in general became a place where people go for entertainment, that's been the case. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you get somebody like Hannah Hart or... Harto or Dan is so cool like or whatever his name is I can't remember the British kid that's really cute uh, Charlie is so cool like Charlie is so cool like Dan is on fire Dan is on fire they're all the same person but like, <laughs> but like as long as they've been popular that's always been the case and that's why collabs are so popular and that's why people love them because um, if you can get cross promotion hey you've you've gotten X amount of people that weren't exposed to you before mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't say that that's a recent development Mm -hmm. Uh... 
it's one of the things that I will be doing, trying to figure out a solution for in grad school, um, is, you know, how do we get it so that, you know, if you're making good, reliable content, how do we get that to the people who need it? Or how do we get it to the people who can use it? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a tricky thing to try and figure out. As far as where we're going or what I see in the future, um, I think there's going to be more people springing up. I'm hoping to see more diversity show up. I don't know if we will, uh, but I think there are things that can be done to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the other thing I'm going to be studying in grad school is how can we make it so that, you know, if you are, I don't know, let's say you're a black kid growing up in the suburbs, uh, or not suburbs, but like really urban, like Philadelphia or Chicago or something like that, and you want to do educational stuff mm-hmm. or you want to find it, how do we make it easier for you? Like, because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a hard thing and I don't know that there's an easy answer, but mm-hmm. we need to start trying and I don't know if anyone else is already trying to do that. So. Yeah. And along with that question about um, things changing over time, I also want to, what one thing I love about your channel is it's kind of a snapshot, not chat, snapshot <laughs> of uh, like each of these people in a moment of time in their channel's progression mm-hmm. and they all started at different levels when you interviewed them and yeah. like Emily from Blink Pop Shift, she doesn't even do that anymore, I don't think, right? <laughs> Now she just does yeah. the 360 videos. So um, mm-hmm. how do you think a lot of those channels have changed and progressed in, uh, since you interviewed them? Yeah, so <clears throat> a lot of them have ended up with, obviously, more polish. Um, their audiences, I think, have changed. Uh, the people who make them have gotten deeper understandings of how YouTube works. And, you know, you see, like, if you go through and look at how, I'm trying to give a good example, like, some of them are very much the same. Like, PBS Idea Channel has a very specific format, and I think it's probably always going to have that format. Um, but then you look at, oh, I don't know, let's say Betty. Betty's a good example. Hi, Betty, if you're watching, and if you're not, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> so Betty started off with just her phone, and she would do videos with that. And she has since upgraded her gear quality. Her her um, her format is different. She's got a little bit more polish. You can tell she's more comfortable in front of a camera. Um, it's still similar content, but it's got a, a finer degree of polish. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, well, once you do it for a certain amount of time, you know how to do it. And that kind of goes to the whole, like, YouTube standards and, like, best practices and stuff like that. It's one thing to see the list and see what it says, but it's another to actually implement it. Uh, Because you might be able to try and do it, but until you're comfortable doing what they say, it won't necessarily have the same effect as they're hoping. I don't know. Do you want to talk at all about your mystery box project that you did? Oh, I guess. I mean, (laughs) if you're asking... So for those of you watching who don't know, um, you can go to mysterybox.goverbanown.com. Wait a second, I think there's a way to put this under my face. Hold on. There is a link in the description oh. of this video, too. There's a link in the description of this video, too. Uh, so one of my side projects that was kind of stemmed from me looking for all of these EDU channels is, first, I wanted to find people who I could talk to. Uh, and second, I was like, well, now I know these channels exist. Is there anywhere else that all of these are listed? And the answer that I found was no. So I was like... I guess I'll do this. So I made, originally it was just real simple. It was like a little, a list, a text list of channels and their subjects. And then I started breaking it out so that you can actually, you know, search for channels that cover specific topics um, in specific languages, whether or not they're captioned, uh, the country of origin that the folks are from. And then since I come from a background of doing intelligence analyst, it's all about the metadata. Uh, (laughs) So I also have things like, you know, whether they are a guy or a girl, you know, 
not just the country they're located in, but the state and sometimes the city, uh, whether they are white or not. Um, what else? What else? Closed captioning? Yeah. So captioning, all that jazz. Because I think that's important information to have. And mm -hmm. so I made it, search it, and filter by it, find what's right for you. What I wanted to do originally, uh, and I still have ideas of this, but time being what it is, it's not. Uh, I want to make it so that you can search not just by things like that, but also things like who the viewer is. So mm -hmm. not just, oh, you know, I have trouble hearing, or I need to read, or I speak this language. It's like, I am a learner, or I am a teacher, or I am a casual viewer, or I really want something where I can sit back and just enjoy it uh, for like a bulk of time. Because I think those are really useful things to be able to search by. Because everybody comes to YouTube with different purposes. Um, which kind of goes counter to how YouTube designed, where they, they just want you watching, and so it's the shorter videos that really take priority in the algorithms. Um, but I think that there is a lot of potential in YouTube EDU to provide things like learning resources. Like you look at Crash Course, Crash Course History or Crash Course Astronomy. These are things that if I were a teacher, I might send my kids home to watch and be like, hey, watch this because we're going to be talking about this tomorrow. Um, or because we have a test and the state that I'm in maybe has a bad education. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know there's a lot of classrooms who are actually using it in their mm -hmm. lesson planning and, yeah. you know, do a lecture and then pop in, you know, a four-minute crash course and then keep going, you know. There, yeah. just there super are helpful. things they're trying to do. I don't know how much is public and not because I do the Patreon thing, so they do hangouts. Yeah, the, like one. classroom materials and stuff. Yeah, so they're doing classroom materials. Um, one of the viewers on the, the Patreon hangout was like, do you guys know you have a bunch of quizzes on Quizlet that people have written for you? Will you put real ones on there, please? <laughs> so they're looking into that. Um, and just a bunch of other things, maybe making them downloadable because they're having issues um, having them in classroom. Yeah. But yeah, so they're really trying to uh, work to get it because YouTube's very difficult to get uh, in classroom. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they are trying to do that and they're trying to make stuff that kind of goes along with it. Yeah. And that was actually something I had talked to Hank about when I interviewed him is he had mentioned that they were talking about doing like handouts and stuff like that uh, for Crash Course and like supplemental materials. And so the interview that I did with Cable Green, the director of global learning for Creative Commons, um, he talked about like, well, maybe people should just start publishing these things under Creative Commons license. So like not necessarily doing the videos under it because it won't really have the intended effect that people might hope. But if you make all of this learning stuff just available and people know it's available and they should, they can share it as long as they attribute it, maybe they'll be more they'll be more likely to use it knowing that they won't get in trouble for using it because it's free. Um, and so I had kind of thought at the time like, well, what if somebody made an open course like an open Creative Commons licensed te textbook and then used all of these YouTube channels uh, as like a, an interactive kind of textbook thing? Mm -hmm. So you have the content from it and then you go and you link to a specific like supplemental materials instead of having that weird picture in the mm -hmm. corner to the wall of text maybe you have a YouTube video mm -hmm. and it plays and you're like oh yeah the Mongols you know <laughs> all comes back to the Mongols <laughs> I forgot what you asked I talked a lot but yeah <laughs> oh mystery box yeah the mystery box oh mystery box <laughs> that was a tangent so the mystery box now in its current shape you can search by all of those things it's got about 132 channels listed. Um, is there a way for I, people to help you out or add stuff to it? Yeah, if you guys know of a channel that exists that isn't on the list, shoot it to me in an email or on Twitter or whatever. I'll 
I'll do a little bit of gathering on my end because, you know, like I said, there's the stuff that's listed, but then there's the stuff on the back end that isn't necessarily listed where I'll go and find it. So, like, I also collect people's contact information, for example, um, and website links, all this jazz. At some point, I'm going to give at least a few of these people access to it so they can see everything. But, um, yeah, I'll take the channel name. I'll go look up all this information. I'll add it to the database when I have time. But, again, that whole when I have time thing, I tell you guys. So, <laughs> one thing uh, maybe we could do to help you out is make a Google form because we already have one of those on our website but it doesn't ask for all that information. It just is like what's the name of your channel and a link. I think that's pretty much it but um, maybe we can make one that goes along with it because we find um, new people all the time and we try and tweet them and promote them and stuff like that so um, hopefully we can help you make that database grow and like Liz was saying try and spread it out so it's not just now science or art. Yeah. Make it more diverse. Yeah for sure. I think one of the big barriers to it not being used right now is if you go and you look at it it's super simple, mm -hmm. uh, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think people like to have something a little bit more artsy or a little bit more, I don't know, complex. Um, and I actually ended up doing, I found this website called freelancer.com, and I paid some guy out in the Philippines a large amount of money to make it more interactive. And after he finished it, I was like, well, I said I'd pay you, so I gave him the money. But like, <laughs> wasn't what I was really expecting, but I think that's more my bad. Like, I, I'll know what I want once I see it done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I haven't seen it done yet, so we're getting there, though, slowly but surely. And, like, one of the goals for when I do grad school for library and information science, by the way, uh, <laughs> is I'm going to get What's the grad school happening? Yeah, grad Tell school. Tell us about the grad school. Yeah. I will, I will. It's really exciting. <laughs> um, I'm going to be getting a certificate or going for a certificate as well in HCI, which is human-computer interaction, which is not what user experience, user interface stuff, but a little bit over that, so. Yeah, hopefully I can take that and learn some good stuff and make it more palatable to folks. So do you, this is kind of back to that crash course in schools question, mm -hmm. do you know how crash course is found in schools? Does anyone know? Because um, they talk about it a lot of times in the survey and they've asked other questions where people find Vlogbrothers via crash course. Like they have no idea that John wrote books or they have Vlogbrothers like yeah. it's found independently and I know that part of it's probably because they're big and I'm a search engine, but yeah. do you know if there are any other reason why they're in classrooms or how they got there? <clears throat> Not specifically. Um, I do know, excuse me, that uh, Hank has told me time and again, and other YouTubers have told me time and again, that they have a really tight relationship with YouTube. Uh, and YouTube EDU in specific is like a thing within YouTube. There's a person, Angela Lin, is YouTube EDU. And YouTube, for the bigger creators, does a really good job at going and, you know, asking these people, hey, what can we do for you? And I would imagine one of the services that they provide is, well, since Google or Alphabet has all of these different uh, front-facing things, one of them, I'm sure, is outreach to educational institutions. Um, so there's probably that, but I mean, a lot of the people who are teachers would be in this, honestly. Like, there's a very specific kind of mindset, and so I think a lot of teachers kind of stumble upon it by virtue of being big old nerds. Uh, but I have no proof, I have no evidence to support that claim, except for Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you know, big nerd. Uh, well, I'll just I'll just throw in that so in a former life uh, I did I did some um, teaching at a, at the college level and one of the things when you're preparing a lesson or a lecture that you really 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 want are as many interactive things as possible including mm -hmm. YouTube videos and the great thing about YouTube videos is they are free and they are usually pretty easy to find um, so I would suspect a lot of it especially early on before they realized that SciShow and Crash Course was gonna have a huge footprint in the education 
educational systems had to be teachers looking for, I need something on the Mongols, help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, stumbling across it that way and then sharing it with all of their networks to say, hey, this is really great content, it's a short video, and then you can do a whole discussion thing on it or whatever. Um, I suspect it was sort of a little bit of both. Yeah, and actually that got me to thinking of, of something else. Uh, bear with me as I pull up the mystery box. One thing that I found while going through and finding channels is a lot of folks who do channels are teachers and they mm -hmm. make videos because they want the content and can't find it. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Example being Science with Tyler DeWitt. He's a teacher and he does educational stuff. Bozeman Science up in mm -hmm. Bozeman, Montana. Yep. Um, what is uh, it with Science Montana? <laughs> right? Montana, I tell you, it's a place. It's uh, all there's something in the water. Something in the water in Montana. Yeah, probably not the same stuff as in Michigan water. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully not. Sad. Indeed. But uh, yeah, so I imagine that's that's got something to do with it. And I would assume that somebody like Tyler DeWitt probably has tea friends uh, mm -hmm. and folks like Science Pong. And he's like, ah, no, you know, I, I, I live in the Bay Area. I'm making these science rap videos. Surely somebody else can do these. And teachers go to conferences and teachers talk, I assume. So probably a lot of word of mouth. Yep. I have a question. It's kind of more related to the how you got in contact with people that you did the collaborations with. Mm -hmm. um, do you have, it's not really questions, more just advice. Do you have advice for reaching out to other content creators? Because one of the ways to get more well known is you reach out to other creators. Mm -hmm. um, so when you went and contacted, you know, say Hank, or I know you were friends with Lindsay, but mm -hmm. like Hank or um, Emily or anybody else, like do you have advice for how to go about that? And I don't mean like send them an email. I mean like specifically in the email, what was your tone? Did you were you professional? Were you personal? Like what was? How did you do that? Yeah. So uh, mostly, I, I took pictures of myself holding up a giant whiteboard, saying, "Please let me talk to you. I'm not as creepy as this scene." No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Super professional. Yeah, very professional. Um, no, I mean, I mean, it would not shock me at all if, like, half of the creators that you listed were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, segue, and I'll, I'll get back to you, but this is a hilarious story. Um, uh, Derek from Veritasium posted something on the Facebook feed the other day, like, sharing this random email he got from some dude, and this guy just goes off on some weird tangent. You know, like, he follows it up with, like, what was this, like, how did this person even think to email me this? Um, <laughs> it was funny. But anyways, to answer your question, uh, I recommend you're going to reach out to somebody, be sincere, be brief, and don't not ask. So ask. Like, actually reach out to them. Because if you don't, they won't know that you're trying to get a hold of them. Um, but yeah, be brief. And keep in mind that not everybody will be able to get back to you. Um, this all stems from the following. So, for example, I reached out to tons of people. And by some stroke of luck, the majority of them got back to me. Uh, because, I mean, I guess what I was selling is what they wanted to buy, uh, as it were. Um, but... You know, I realized after sending a few emails out, like the people who I didn't get emails back from, uh, for example, uh, CGP Grey, I never heard back from. Uh, the who else? No, just about everybody did. Some of the guys, Nottingham Science out in the UK, I never heard back from. Uh, oh, Brady, Brady Run, he never got back to me. Uh, but the thing is, like, they have done really great videos where they're just like, I get emails from everyone, and if it's more than like five sentences long. I won't read it. Mm -hmm. Nothing personal. Just don't have the time. And you know, the more that you put in your email, the more that they're going to feel obligated to put in theirs. Even though, honestly, I think everyone should just reply to emails like college professors. 
to. Um, but whatever. Um, so yeah, if you can, keep it brief. Um, try and think of a good way to convey what you're doing. Like for me, being brief is a really hard kind of thing, as I'm sure you've noticed. Uh, <laughs> but then it's like, I also come from a background of like, well, I want to tell a good story, and like when I write to people, I want them to have the background of why I'm doing it, because I think that's going to be really cool, and they're going to like it. I think in the majority of cases it worked out, but then for a few people it's just like too much for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but that said, I heard back from most people. I think the Do most you, important is reach out to people. Two follow-ups to that. Did you make each email personal? Yes. Okay, that's good. And then the second thing is, did you send follow-up emails to people who didn't, or was it just, I'm going to send this out, and if they don't get back, they don't get back? Uh, the second one, mostly. Okay, okay, yeah. so you weren't like, oh, hey, did you read my email? Did you get it? Okay. Yeah. Okay, do you think that that, I guess from a perspective of somebody who's looking to do collaborations with somebody that they've never interacted with before, would that come across come across as um, badgering or? Um, that's a good question. I think it would depend on the person. So okay. let's say somebody sent me an email and they were like, hey, Peter, I think what you're doing is really great. I want to come out and like see you or like, you know, I want to chat and I forget. Meh, I'll forget. I'm Sometimes I'm busy, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes life gets away from me. Uh, and if somebody, like if I totally forgot and they sent me an email a week later and was like, hey, I was just wondering, you know, I sent you an email the other day. You get a chance to read it. Did it get to you? Um, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry about that. You know, let me reply. But I mean, the flip side of that is people don't do that. Like, nobody asks, well, some people, but very few people ever ask, like, hey, Peter, you know, I love your 100,000 subscriber channel. You know, let's do a collab. Um, because, and like, for me, I didn't send up follow emails. I didn't send follow up emails to people because people are busy. I assume everybody's mm-hmm. busier than I am. Uh, and I figure if they cared, you know, I put everything important in the first email and if it appealed to them, heard back from them. If it didn't, you know, maybe they didn't see it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I was just curious from a perspective, maybe somebody else looking to do collabs. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I did, though, because I did do follow-up for when I did proof editing, like when I wanted people to see the proofs mm. of their interviews, because I just don't feel comfortable putting something out there without people seeing it. Um, and even, like, you know, Nick was really good. He was like, no, nah, I trust you. Just go ahead with do it. And then I was like, ah, are you sure? <laughs> and then Lindsay was like, Peter, just do it. He said, he said go ahead. I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> and then he saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Okay, good job. I was like, okay. Uh, but yeah. Eh. I'll, I, I'll also say that um, on the the sending an email thing, um, I've heard some really great advice about how to do those kinds of things just in a professional context in general. And, um, you know, you don't need to share your entire life story. <laughs> we joke sometimes about that. Um, I joke with other instructors about that, that sometimes you get like a student sob story that's like a giant email and you're like, I just need to know that you're not going to be in class on Tuesday. Like, that's all I need to know. Like, I don't need to hear everything. Um, so, you know, keeping it brief, I would totally echo what Peter said there. And then also, if you can offer them something, mm-hmm. whatever that is, that's always, always going to be better. So I think, Peter, what you probably experienced a lot of was people probably thought, oh, cool, like, he's going to come out and talk to me about this stuff and it's going to be on his channel and I can reference it or, you know, and oh, this is a cool t- opportunity for me to talk about the work that I'm doing and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's how you experienced it, but it seems like a cool offer, um, the project that you described. So if you can offer something, that always helps. I think, and just for Gover Banan, I think it was less 
just that, but I do think that is really good advice. If you can offer something in return, do so. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it goes back to my being alarmed at just how altruistic everyone on YouTube EDU is. <laughs> like, the majority of them were like, no, what you're doing sounds cool. You know, I totally want to help you. You seem like what you're doing is up, like, legit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got time, so why not? And when I ended up talking to Greg and Mitchell up in Ontario from ASAP Science, they flat out said to me, or flat out said to me, and I think I put it in their interview, like, no, yeah, no, we get emails like this all the, well, not emails like this, but we get tons of emails from people soliciting from us all the time. Mm -hmm. And for most of them, we just either ignore them or we don't say anything back. But usually when it's that, it's because they want something from us with nothing in return. Mm -hmm. But we like what you're doing, we think that what you're doing can benefit others. Right. So that might have been for them what they get out of it, mm -hmm. is doing something to help someone else. Right. Yeah, I mean, and we're, we're not the, like, corporate types who are going to be asking for, you know, I, I imagine that these creators get bombarded with those kinds of emails from, you know, such and such corporation asking about blah, 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 you know, and that that would get really tiring, so it's got to be refreshing to get uh, emails from creators who are doing similar kinds of things and who care about care about the community as a whole, so. And to follow up on that, um, Gray, talk, Gray and Brady had this very long conversation about this exact thing on their podcast, mm. and the two that you didn't hear back from, yeah. and they said, tell me what you want in the first sentence. That's all That's all Gray read first sentence, if that, of an email, because he gets hundreds a day. He actually had to pay a personal assistant just to deal with his emails. Mm -hmm. um, so say in the first sentence what you want from collab, whatever it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And as for the follow-up, I do think it is different with everybody. Um, the SciShow collab that we just did, mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. they wanted to work with us. Like I had talked in a hangout with Caitlin and I had to, she's super busy and I had to follow up a few times and I felt really bad. Um, and I just stopped at one point and then she saw me again on a monthly hangout. She's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to email you. Sometimes they really do want to, but they're just like so overwhelmed. But other times I'm sure it's just, you know, kind of like, oh, another person wants something from me. So I think it's very hard to tell um, mm -hmm. which it is. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like the difference between cold calling someone and then following up. Right. Like, yeah. if just if you're putting it out there to try and find somebody, you know, chances are, eh, they get a lot of stuff. Though. You'll never hear from them again. Eh, write it off. It's fine. Uh, but once you actually, like, once you got them, don't let go. Hold on to that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Your hands under the gills, because I mean, a lot of times, yeah, people get busy. But if they've already said that they're going to do something for you, mm -hmm. they're probably going to do it and hound them for it. Mm -hmm. So I've been finding segue uh, in my application process for grad school. Mm -hmm. My reference. Oh man. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> one left. One left. It's like my goal is to be the reference person who's not like that, because <laughs> I know what that's like. It's the worst. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I love it. It's the worst. So speaking of grad school. Um, what is I'm I'm curious to know what is your aim for grad school and do you um, plan on doing another kind of go interview people project or are you segueing your your uh, projectness into more data behind the scenes kind of thing? Yeah, so grad school. Um, when I first started doing Go Urban Out and after like I did a few interviews, I was thinking, man, you know what I want to do for grad school? I want to be a data scientist. That's cool. I want to be a scientist. What a sweet title that would be to have. And then I started looking into coding and programming and realized, man, this takes a lot of effort and time that I don't have. Maybe coding, maybe a data scientist is too much. But wait a second, I used to be an analyst, like I still am. Um, so I should do something like that. So then I reached out to some of my friends who were formerly in the Navy and who are no longer. And one of them was like, you know, we're basically just glorified librarian 
clients who speak different languages, right? I was like, mm. I hadn't thought of it that way. Huh. Because, you know, intelligence analysts, we research stuff. We research mm. the hell out of things mm. uh, because it's all about finding not just information, but the right information right. Uh, for the right question and figuring out whether or not the question that somebody asked you is the right question they should be asking for what the information they want is. Uh, and so I started thinking, well, okay. I looked at different programs and I was like, well, library and information science is cool. And I like the idea of the fact that libraries are in communities. I think that there is a lot to be said for making that transition. We all went to VidCon, right? Show of hands. Con attendees? Yeah, exactly. And how cool is it when you are suddenly in the real place with these people that you've only ever seen on the internet? Like, oh, it's amazing. And I think we can do that with libraries. Um, I think we can, if we can get folks to pay for it, you know, we can make it so the libraries are the place where people go to do internet stuff together. Uh, whether that's like, you know, we get a library to, I don't know, set up a recording studio, um, get Google to be like, oh, here's a camera, here's some audio equipment, here's a computer for editing. Go crazy. Uh, or if it's a little bit more in depth, like, hey, so we like what you do, or you're a teacher and you want to make stuff for your class. Here's somebody in the same city as you who's already doing stuff like that, and maybe they already have 2.7 million subscribers. You know, maybe we'll they'll put them in contact with them or something like that. But like, I like this idea, of this basic idea of bringing the digital and the analog together. Uh, I think libraries are sneakily in a really good position to do that. But then the other side of it is information science, and I like that. I like I want to study and see how people are using it. Like, it's one thing to have all of these videos out there, but if people aren't watching them, you know, I want to know why. I want to see what works and what doesn't. What people can do to make their stuff more accessible, um, either because they don't have the time, they don't have the money, they don't have the access to the internet. Uh, trying to figure out all of the stuff, I think, would be super convenient uh, in terms of, <clears throat> you know, putting it out there and making a change in how effective educational content is. Um, seeing how people use it, kind of important. So there's that. Uh, I'm going to say the researchy of researchiest of researchy things and say I read an interesting paper the other day. Because <laughs> I did. About this kind of topic, and I, I'm not going to summarize it because I'm going to mix up what the effects were. But um, basically, they were looking at for people who are watching videos that it's it, there's a difference between for people who sort of appreciate it and feel an emotional connection to it to the degree to which they're willing to either change their knowledge and behaviors versus if it's a little bit drier in content. And of course, I'm not going to remember yeah. what, what effect was what. But it was really interesting thinking about yeah, even if we put the content out there, there's no guarantee that people are learning from it or using it in ways that we had ever intended, for better yeah. or worse. I mean, there are ways in which, obviously, we've seen that people take content like Crash Course and SciShow and use it in their classes in ways that were never planned. But on the flip side of that, if we're like, people are going to learn about whatever from my videos, and then they don't because mm -hmm. of something that I did in the video or didn't do in the video, that's useful to know. So I, I think it's interesting that there's a, this emerging field um, about how people take information and use it in their daily life and how it informs their knowledge and their behaviors and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. And Turn off researcher mode now. <laughs> well, and a part of it, you know, along those lines kind of extends to, whoa, my camera, there it goes, uh, extends or derives, yeah, derives from Derek from Veritasium. Like, he did his PhD on the effectiveness of video in teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, like how you teach physics in a way that people actually learn from it. Cool. Uh, yeah, and his whole thinking, his reasoning behind that is uh, people aren't studying this. Like, right. and he ended up doing a great video. If you guys haven't seen it, um, like this will be the next big thing. It's called or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
it's just, you know, there's a dearth of research on how this information is being used and whether or not it's um, effective. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to contribute to that. So even though I'm getting my master's in librarian for science, I can be a librarian, circle C, my copyright is my title. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep going after that from my PhD uh, in something similar. Um, or I just discovered a four-year program in Ireland. It's a, uh, what is it? Like a doctorate of arts and humanities in digital, oh, a doctorate of digital arts and humanities. Oh, yeah. cool. So, <laughs> focusing more specifically on the digital side than analog side huh. of how we're using this stuff. So do you think, um, we, Tim and I actually work with libraries um, because of our YouTube stuff mm -hmm. in Delaware and some of them have uh, already video stuff and green screens and things which is pretty cool mm -hmm. for their, their people to use. Do you think, like you were saying before, you need a team of people? That's usually how you solve success. I think this could be like little hubs where you build these little teams because I'm sure some people just want to edit and some people want to be talent and all that. Yes. Resoundingly yes. Um, and like there, there are people who are lone wolves. That's fine. Uh, you know, if you, like some people just don't like working with other people or they'd rather do it all on their own. I'm kind of guilty of that. Like I know that it would be way better if I had a team, but at the other hand, like I'm really hesitant to give up control of anything uh, that I, I feel is like mine. <clears throat> But the flip side of that is if you have a library, like you already know that the people working in the library are going to be wanting to help you with this. Um, the people who are coming to use that, that's a really great way to meet other people who are interested in doing video, like instantly. Uh, you know, you go there and, you know, you're fighting with them. It's like, no, I want to use the camera at this time from this time. Oh, well, why don't we both use it? What, what kind of stuff are you making? Oh, I'm making educational videos with robots. Oh, what a coincidence. I am a cyborg. You know, you get these people to work together. And suddenly, you know, the stars align and you have a team. So I love that how casually you threw that in there too. I kind of want to see you use that in normal conversation. Oh, <laughs> oh as it happens, I am a cyborg. So great, cool. <laughs> During your grad school interviews, do yeah, make yeah, that okay. happen. Oh, it will take you instantly. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if they call me in for an interview, ooh, they're gonna get to know the real me, not the <laughs> I had my friends edit this so that I didn't come off as a crazy person. <laughs> Be like, oh, he is somewhat unhinged. Okay. <laughs> He'll fit in here just fine, is what yeah, he'll say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like for him, nowhere but up. <laughs> so I think like the other half of Chelsea's question that she asked like half an hour ago um, was what's the future of Go Verba Now? Oh yeah, that. Um, yeah. You know, in a perfect world. Uh, we're going to see. Uh, I want to keep doing it. There are people that I want to talk to. So like Science with Tom, he and I keep emailing each other because we actually live geographically close. He lives in the Bay Area down by San Francisco. Um, or actually closer than that because we have the same area code on our phone. But like, I want to keep doing it um, and I fully intend to. It's just this whole work-life balance thing. Like, I made the mistake of being who I am when it comes to work ethic and so now my work is like, Peter, you're a really hard worker. You're good at everything. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> It's, it's the um, worst trap to fall in. It's <laughs> the worst. But like the flip side of that is, oh, you want to work overtime? Yeah. No, work as much as you want. We'll pay you time and a half. Yeah. Um, well, at least they'll pay you time I, and a half for it. Yeah. But, I'm in uh, that boat as well. Yeah. You know. 
But yeah, I want to keep doing it. Uh, ideally, more of the same. But then once I get to grad school, it would be cool to start changing it uh, so that it's more applicable to what I'm doing in grad school. Um, at some point, I might rebrand it because like go for renown. I came up with that. Uh, oh, here's a thing to answer the question way, way, way back at the beginning. Because tangent. Um, <laughs> I it's called go for renown because I watched a video by Hank where he was like how to buy a domain. I was like I want to buy a domain. I have expendable income when I did. Um, and I was like, well, I need something original, something that's not taken up, something that's kind of clever sounding. I was like, oh, type go over and comes out. I was like, eh, not taken, so I got it. Um, but that's not the best name. Like, it doesn't really tell you what I'm doing, and so at some point I might change it. Don't know what to. Um, so that's a thing. I think it's a really clever name. But yeah, I do too. But like, yeah. oh, I wish I thought of something cool like that. <laughs> Each of your series could be like, go interview a YouTuber. Um, well, that's that's originally what I was gonna do, and like if you look, I don't know if I still have any of the, the pictures that I had drawn before, um, it was going to be a kind of thing where, you know, there was going to be multiple series on the channel, and mm-hmm. then like, Go Take a Trip was going to be me documenting my road trip, like, the more fun side of my trip. It never happened, because who has time for that? <laughs> because life, because life. Yeah, well even then, like, I was unemployed, but it's like, I only have so much desire to edit video for right. so many hours a day, and like, recording and so video while driving. Dude, and so many cameras to use. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like what was it go learn a thing was going to be a thing I think it's actually it's still a thing on my website um, but yeah like it's flexible and I like mm-hmm. that about it and I might stick with it we'll see though we'll see so what do you guys or anybody watching now or in the future what do you want to know from Peter's channel like he went forward to interview more people what do you guys want to know what do I want to know what do um, some of the bigger content creators in the educational side of things what do they think their role is what they should do, what they shouldn't do with respect to helping smaller creators who want to do educational content. So what what do bigger people think they should do to help smaller people? Yeah, it's sort of, do they do they feel a responsibility? And and if not, that's fine. I'd, you know, I'd love to hear more about like their thoughts about, about that, those sorts of pieces. So I didn't really, nobody really had feedback in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's because people don't know that they feel responsible to do that. I just don't right. know that it came up. I think part of it is because usually what came up is like what 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 people felt their responsibilities were towards their audience is more. But Hank, for example, I did ask him that in my follow up, like you know, if YouTube could or he answered it rather. I asked him, you know, what could YouTube do to you or what could YouTube do to better help you? And he that's when he explained, you know, we already get tons of help, and if YouTube do that for everyone, Mm -hmm. that would be great. And he's like, yeah, no, it's not really sustainable because a lot of the stuff they get is just people complaining about problems that aren't really problems, but, you know, there's a there's a clear delineation between what he gets and what everyone else gets. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I mean, encouragement mm-hmm. you know, is what a lot of people feel responsible for because nobody wants to be like, oh, no, don't even try. And I don't think anybody really feels that way either. Like, I don't think you could look at anybody on YouTube who would say, oh, no, you know, you don't even try YouTube. You know, they're more like, no, definitely do it. You know, yeah. it worked out for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, nothing particularly comes to mind. I mean, Hank and John have scholarships, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube does the same thing. Uh, I know people like promoting other folks mm-hmm. that do stuff. Like, that's how not Bonnie Girl, um, but Science Girl, is it? Physics Girl. Physics Girl. Physics girl. Yeah. She has a three-stage story, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Vlogbrothers Grant, um, and she did the the ver- the flame thing. That um, do, do you guys know that contest at all? Mm-mm. How do you ex- 
explain what a fire is? Alan Alda, the guy that was in MASH, started this contest, and he does a different one every year. I actually was going to do it the year that Physics Girl did, but I didn't have enough time. And it was, what is sound? She explained it, and she won that competition. And she got a vlog, Brothers Grant, and I think then they retweeted her stuff out, too. So that's how she got to be where she is. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And Bet, sorry, Betty's in the chat, and she's asking questions. (laughs) She says, um, I put it in our little chat, which she's saying uh, the chat's on the live video hmm. and she says I want to know how people think educational content can be economically sustained beyond crowdfunding that's such a good question <laughs> oh man yeah yeah no um I, I mean I have I have thoughts about that but I don't know that I want to go on record saying them so <laughs> It's, I mean, that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that I'm doing LIS is I'm pretty sure libraries get money from different pots than schools do. Um, So less competition. Uh, Plus, I mean, libraries already have a little bit of money. I don't know how much it's being used. But yeah, trying to figure out how to make things sustainable is difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think right now, like, crowdfunding is kind of the revolutionary way of doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. before there was crowdfunding, people made videos and ate, like, comments to survive. Or didn't sleep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a great, great question. On the, on the library side of things, they do have some money. Uh, we did a bunch of free stuff for the libraries, but that was getting overwhelming because all of Delaware wanted us to go do things, and we're like, uh, that's, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, so now they're actually looking for funding for us to come to either make professional video series for them to teach them how to use because they have like 3D printers and stuff, but they have no yeah. idea how to use them. Mm-hmm. So they're looking into money to pay us to make things for them. I don't know if that would be public for everybody or I don't know. But yeah. I do know libraries have money and they do want to create content for, for you. At least the libraries around us have some money. Another thing that I, I just remembered that a few people had mentioned is uh, so Aaron Carroll, I reached out to him before Christmas and he got back to me. He was like, yeah, uh, Healthcare Triage got a grant from the National Science Foundation. Well, it wasn't a grant. It was an award. They got an award for like most innovative research or like teaching out of mm-hmm. Metis Word Award. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I had passed that to Emily Grassley, who had mentioned that she and like the, the Field Museum were trying to figure out how to get ROI, return on investment, uh, for the brain scoop mm-hmm. and how to show mm-hmm. that. And so I had passed to her, you know, hey, you know, Aaron had mentioned they got an award and maybe that's something you guys could do. And she was like, oh yeah, no, we actually were applying to a grant from the National Science Foundation to try and get some money that. So Yeah, that was going to be my... The, the tidbit that I was going to throw in is that I think if federal funders begin to have more open mind about what this could do, you know, and what educational content on YouTube could mean, um, I think the more we see that happen, the more grants and opportunities like that they're going to be. But the more they can be tied to things like museums and libraries, the better, because those are established institutions that people trust. So, yeah. Here's a here's a brain worm that just popped in my brain. Um, so, interviews with the president being exclusively on YouTube, how do you guys think that that might affect the perception of YouTube as like a legitimate thing? And like, do you guys feel like we're still kind of facing the YouTube as a legitimate outlet kind of question? Yes, and to be honest, not all the questions that were asked of the president seemed mm, super professional. I guess. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched that. I don't know how to. I haven't had a chance to watch all of it yet. Yeah, I don't think it's taken seriously quite yet. I mean, I think the people that are on YouTube that like watch YouTube a lot, um, it's 
it's good for them, but I don't think people outside of that world take that seriously. Mm-mm. They should, but they don't yet. I Yeah, I have to have that conversation many, many times <laughs> with my <laughs> colleagues about, like, video, guys, like, yeah. it's going to be so great. And, um, you know, we're trying to build our, our YouTube channel at work, and um, that's, I mean, that's going well, and I'm, sh- I'm showing, like, hey, if we put out really high-quality, short educational content, people watch it! It's amazing! Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, it's sort of seen as this, like, well, but that, how do you, how do you do that? How is that a thing that, that I don't understand? And so there's a lot of education that needs to happen in, in some of these, in some institutions that are slower-moving to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember last year, when last year's came out, that was a big critique, um, is, you know, who are these people interviewing the president? Yeah. Why are they interviewing the president and not somebody else? Mm-hmm. And then my response was, did you see Hank Green? Yeah. Right. Uh, right. But I mean, it's like one out of the three or four people that interviewed, that, that's, in a lot of people's eyes, that only forgives so much. Um, I thought mm-hmm. compared to last year, this year's was a lot more legit in terms of the questions that got asked. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, the flip side to that is, I don't know that's that's necessarily the right way to think about it, because... Like, it seemed more legit to me because they were asking, like, hard questions. Um, I guess I was thinking more of the what kind of pants would a dog wear. And I know some of them are supposed to be funny because it's usually normal. Yeah, that's part of the fun. You kind of, like, bring people into it, too, that are, you know, younger people who are (laughs) trying to get them. Sorry. It just makes it harder to seem legitimate on YouTube when those are the YouTuber questions that make sense. Like, I get that you're trying to make it more fun and, and things like like that. And people in the chat said, I think it was um, Spoo said um, that the Democratic debate was a bigger thing and was more legitimate that was held on YouTube and that's more helpful. It sort of depends on which paradigm you're coming from. If you're coming from traditional media then right. then the YouTube interviews seem like a, you know, a waste of time but if you're coming from the paradigm of YouTube, those questions seem a lot more hard-hitting and you know, actually kind of pushing on some issues that are, that are important to the YouTube community. It's just, it's super interesting to me watching these two worlds kind of evolve next to each other and not really know how to play together or talk to each other. Yeah, and I think that that's why the fact that he decided to do those, I think that was a really intelligent thing on the president's part because he was getting to that um, that market, that that frame of the YouTube, like the people that watch the YouTube. Um, he was marketing towards them and, and trying to get on their level. And I think that that's good, but I also don't think that they're quite um, mainstream media, you know. So as much as it was smart, it's still pretty niche. Right. Well, that's I don't know. That just makes me kind of feel like there's there's stretching to be done with both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the the mainstream media, quote unquote, has a decent bit of work to do to come along into the modern internet yep. digital space. But yep. also the digital space has a lot of learning to do in how to in- ingratiate. I don't know. If that's the word I'm looking for, but maybe um, the you know traditional media style mm-hmm. and the, take the things that are good in that style mm-hmm. and use those in the space, you know? So I feel like yeah. there's there's still a lot of wiggle room where each side can work together to do that. Yeah. There's, there's question chat. I know. The chat's very active right now. Oh, there's more chat? Mm-hmm. I need to pull that up one of these days. Because I know you just can't, like, for whatever reason, can't do it inside Google. No, it's you awesome. can't, because right. that would make sense. Because <laughs> right. yes. that would make sense. Let's try to do that. Um, if the chat has more questions, you can let us know. It's getting to be 10, 15. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Like channel check-in and wrap-up kind of thing. Okay. Yep. 
Betty just says Google Hangout makes chatting sucky. Agreed. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read through these real quick and see if. Um, is that? Oh, I thought I paused that. Sorry, I heard. I heard the other. You guys might have heard because. Anyways. Yeah, and it delays <laughs> too. So one time I left that on when I did my introductions, and I could oh, yeah. hear myself talking. And no <laughs> like one else could. Yeah. I had headphones on, so I just seemed crazy. <laughs> I've done that too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't see any other big questions in the chat. Um, at this point. Yeah, it's getting getting late. It, yeah, I'm fine. Do people want to do channel check-in real quick? Sure. You don't all speak up at once. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um, so this channel is supposed to be for us to ask questions and uh, support each other. So at the mm. end, we do channel check-in, and it's like, what have you been up to? What are you going to be doing? And is there, just to like, give an update on your channels. And most importantly, is there anything you're stuck on? Any questions? Can we help you out? Gotcha. Those are, that's kind of what we're talking about. So feel free to join in if there's anything that you want to update us with additionally or if there's anything we can do to help your channel out or you and your grad school pursuits uh at some point if my last reference doesn't get his act together sarah i might just be like hey you want to write me a letter sure <laughs> i would be happy to <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, i'll be your backup anytime <laughs> yes. i knew if i framed it right i'd get a yes <laughs> no, right I'm, I'm i'm doing okay on my end uh, I mean, obviously things are lulling. I did wrap up this big document that I had talked about briefly before, you know, what YouTube do for you. Now that that's done, I'm finding myself with very few excuses to not make YouTube videos. So I might continue putting stuff out soonish, air quotes. Also, once the weather stops being just the worst. Um, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you so win the weather. Day, <laughs> over 10 degrees. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm might have been. Um, for We Create EDU, we are back, obviously, this year. And Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> We're going to continue to try and do the first Monday and the third Wednesday, unless um, people have big issues with that schedule. Um, I'm not sure what topics we're going to do next month. If you guys, we have some guests that we want to invite and topics we're thinking of, but if you have ideas, please put them in the description below or tweet at us. Uh, and we will try to ramp up our social media presence once again. Um, I've been putting out my Monday blog, but other than that, I think that's about uh, all I've been doing for weekly edu lately. Uh, as for SciJoy, um, bought a bunch of sensors. We're still trying to, we're getting that physics series ready, and if any of you want to be, like, beta testers, um, let me know, because I'm probably going to unlist a lot of videos and try and get some opinions on it, and I'm going to try and do kind of what Peter was talking about, and make interactive PDFs that uh, are lesson plans that actually have videos in them. So, oh, if cool. people want to be beta testers for those, uh, just let me know. I'm raising my hand. I will. <laughs> um, oh, and it, yeah, we did a collab with SciShow. And I yeah, think that was our super cool. Yeah. yeah. Alright, I'm just going to go next. I'm going to peel off Band-Aid. Um, I just did a collab with my friend from uh, California, and um, I have the other half of that coming out tomorrow, actually. Um, I do have a question that's kind of relevant to what happened when I was working on that video, but I'll save that to. Um, I am starting a podcast and it's going to be on the 25th of every month. So yeah, that's the thing <laughs> that I'm going to do. What's it about? Um, 
give us the whole spiel. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm going to. It's, um, the podcast is called My Liner Note, and basically it's about my love affair with music that has been pretty much since my entire life. And um, the, the beginning of it is it's um, Dick Clark once said that music is a soundtrack to your life, and these are my liner notes. So it goes into more detail about how music has had an impact into my in my life, and like I'll, like I'll go through and talk about different songs and why they matter to me, and just how much I can love music. So, uh, like I said, that's gonna be it's gonna be monthly right now until like I kind of get into it, and then might do two a month. But right now I'm just gonna keep it to one a month because I'm already doing two videos a week, and that's a lot. Um, so yeah, the 25th of every month, and um, if you are subscribed to my channel, I will be posting links and you know tumbling and tweeting when my first episode comes out. Um, and the question that I had is, I need new, cheap, or and free editing software because the video that I just edited yesterday, it was done, it was beautiful, it was fantastic, I had my husband watch through it, and I go to make the video and half the file got corrupted. So, yeah. And this is not the first time that this has happened with this particular editing software that I have. So if anybody has suggestions for something cheap, 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 cheap. Um, that is not Apple, because I'm not an Apple user. I would love to hear it, because <laughs> I have had enough of this software completely destroying the one thing that's supposed to be easy and good in my life. <laughs> not to be too dramatic or anything. <laughs> okay, so that's, I guess, that's where my channel is. I'm doing a podcast, and my channel is just moving forward, two videos every week. I did change around my schedule as far as when I edit and uh, work on my videos that made my personal life much better. Cool. But yeah, that's it. I can jump in. Um, things things were pretty good so far this year. I found that I had a little time over the holiday um, to actually do some editing and filming some things ahead of time and mm -hmm. oh my gosh that makes life so much better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it makes life it, it makes it a lot easier if you don't have to write and film and edit and upload all in one day. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I'm doing too, Sarah. Yeah, it's like I do the editing and the, all the other stuff like a week before and then just day it's up. Yeah. And it, yeah. Much so <laughs> yeah. much better. I don't know if I can keep up that pace, but I'm going to try. Um, so a couple of my videos recently, uh, I just uploaded one yesterday, I think, yes, about yes. Uh, what it's like to get an MRI because that's cool. a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I, as a part of a, a longer series of um, going in and talking to a, a few of my grad school colleagues, we um, went down to our little pretend MRI scanner and I had my friend Amanda show me the ropes and put me in the scanner and everything so it's mm -hmm. kind of fun. Um, and then I'm also doing a, a short two video series on resumes and cover letters and um, job interview tips and tricks. So, so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. So helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so try, I'm kind of trying to mix up some content uh, and go in a couple of different directions and I'm just going to kind of see what happens. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll, I'm going to keep doing the child development science -y, research -y kind of stuff, but then also try to throw in some practical life skills, too. So. Mm -hmm. yeah, I love me. it. I guess that leaves me. Hey. Um, 
Oh, where to start? Um, well, I like that you're, Sarah, that you're kind of going in different directions because um, I'm kind of thinking of that as well. Um, I've had a little bit of time off. My last video was my Project for Awesome video um, and because of various things, haven't gotten another one up recently. Um, but I've been thinking also, I have a lot of personal issues with like, do I make really like higher quality content that takes a while or do I make more content that doesn't take as long but I can put out more of it, like just sitting and vlogging and talking about certain things. Um, so I think I'm going to try and switch those up um, mm -hmm. and see how that works. So maybe do some like Q&A kind of things and put out, you know, for other nannies or parents who have questions that I can use my experience to answer um, and just do some informal like, hey, if you have a question about, you know, your three-year-old's temper tantrums, ask away and I shall, you know, let you know my advice based on my experience. So awesome. hopefully, you know, that'll be good and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah. Good. Cool. Huzzah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm uh, <laughs> trying to see if uh, anybody in the chat wants to do a, a channel check-in. Um, they're, they're talking about auto-translating subtitles and things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they went down a rabbit hole. They, they did. <laughs> That's awesome. We've all been there. I will post links for the next one, I think. Yeah, February 1st is actually the first Monday of the month, so that will be our next Hangout. All right. Ooh. Oh, Betty just checked in. Okay. Okay. Checking in. I am so behind on everything. <laughs> Don't worry, Betty. You and me both. Join our club. <laughs> we can all be behind together. That's right. Hmm. Here's a random thing, since we're just putting random things out there. I have a bunch of public domain books. I realize you guys can't see them, but they're really old. And I was thinking I'd just start doing audiobooks on YouTube and reading. Mm. Oh, there you go. I don't know that I will, but it's something I've been bouncing in my head. That's cool. Might as well try it once, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Well, I think um, that about wraps it up probably for us because we've been going for an hour and a half. And if I make this into a podcast later, that's going to take me about three hours. It, no. It, it's, um, oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. Yep, no problem. And if yeah. you ever want to come back, let us know. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, let me click on you so everyone can see what you're doing. Oh, yeah, because it's just Betty Betty made a comment. Oh, your hair is so long. I'm like, oh, Betty, you have no idea. <laughs> my, my hair is longer than the last time I made a video. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. In my training, it made yes. more sense. I was saying that it's been a longer time since I made a video than my hair, you know, whatever. Than your hair is. Or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Words. Hair. Words. It's Words. not even late for you, Peter. Come on. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, I have no excuse. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I am an android. Oh. <laughs> Iborg. That's right. Cyborg. Cyborg. Yes. Hair. Oh. <laughs> I did all okay. <laughs> I think that is an excellent way to wrap it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing this.